it's time for another edition of Mets Musings. Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello again and welcome back to another edition of Mets Musings. And today we're going to do our usual early season or beginning of the season kickoff and do our round table. Now, uh, we're missing a leg on the table, but we think we can uh, stand as we uh, do our usual lists of suspects that are joining me this week. And first is my former co-host and a good friend and a great Met fan, Barry Newman. Barry, welcome back. Thank you, Gary. Good to be back. And also joining us is the wonderful co-host of Baseball and BBQ, Mr. Jeff Cohen. Jeff, welcome back to you. Thanks, Larry. And Larry. Larry. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Barry, Gary. I was thinking Leonard, and I got the L <laughs> in my head. And so <laughs> on behalf no, of Leonard. No I'd worries. Like say, <laughs> on behalf of Leonard, I like to say, Gary Mack. <laughs> yeah, Lenny couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, the, the other co-host of Baseball and BBQ, and uh, Len, we miss you. So uh, hopefully, the, the next roundtable we do, you'll be able to join us. We'll try to schedule it when you're available. <laughs> well, guys, we're a mere what forty-eight hours away, something like that, to opening day. Did we think we were going to see this season? Uh, the way the lockout was going, and um, are you excited about opening day? Absolutely, opening days. I love opening day. <laughs> Me too. A little tempered by the injury to Jake, but still, opening day is like you guys said, opening day, like a national holiday, and I did not think we they would make it to opening day. I thought a good chunk of the season, the way the negotiations, if you even want to call them negotiations, were going. So they got it in. It's only a week late. They're going to play the full 162. And it, it's always exciting. However, I don't think it's going to start on Thursday. Looking at the weather forecast, it looks like uh, it might be a Friday to begin. 90% chance of rain on, on, on Thursday in Washington. Well, somebody will be starting at least, and uh, uh, if I may say, and I'm not sponsored by them, but if anybody has T-Mobile out there, um, hopefully it's not too late by the time you hear this podcast, you can get a free season of MLB TV by going to their uh, Tuesday app. So uh, we are recording this on a Tuesday. It went up today, April 5th. And uh, I signed up right away, of course, because I have T-Mobile. So I don't know what you guys got, but um, uh, it's a good deal. It's a, you know, it's 140 bucks, I think, uh, for the year, and uh, you know, you get it for nothing. So um, uh, not a bad deal at all. But uh, you have to have T-Mobile for that. And um, I was just checking because. The minor leagues start tonight. Syracuse is in action tonight. Oh, how about that? Okay. Uh, as they play, Scranton Wilkesbury is playing Syracuse tonight at Syracuse. And they, of course, want me to log in to MILB, and I'm not going to do it right now. So I can't tell you how Syracuse is doing. But uh, yeah, Syracuse is starting tonight and odd that the minor leagues are starting a couple of days usually it's 
they start a week after the majors, but I guess with the lockout, that's what's uh, they're on their regular schedule and the majors aren't. So, um, so we have a new manager, Mr. Buckshell Walter, a new coaching staff. Um, I- I've said on this show a couple of times already that I've noticed a bit of a change just by watching and observing things in the dugout when they showed the a dugout and, uh, just things on the field and some of the comments the players have made that there seems to be a different attitude. There seems to be a more professionalism. Uh, is it me or would you guys agree that, that, uh, you know, you've noticed a difference? I noticed difference. And I think Buck was probably the biggest acquisition the Mets made over the, over the off season. You know, I know they got Kana and Escobar and Scherzer and Bassett and whoever else, but and McMarte, but McCholter was the biggest acquisition they had. They, they really brought calmness to the club, a bunch of uh, and professionalism and experience that I think that it's really going to benefit the Mets. And he's not going to panic. He knows what he's doing. He's a professional manager. Jeff, I can't add a thing. You basically <laughs> said everything that I was going to say. Absolutely. The best thing about the Mets going into 2022 that they did not have prior to is the hiring of Buck Showalter. Yeah, it's it's so true that that he, he may have been turned out to be the biggest acquisition. Uh, um, you know, he's a professional. He's been around the block. As you say, nothing's going to scare him off or anything like that so uh and even the coaching staff he seemed to brought in more of a a a professional type of coaching staff yeah three core at third base kirby at first his uh his bench coach is someone who's been with him before Uh, chavez as the new hitting that's the hitting coach i think the bench coach is, is sheldon was he, he he used to be the uh, bench coach earlier with the Mets. Yeah. Uh, name names name escapes me now though. That's what happens when you get old. To see. I know. I know. <laughs> I can't Tell think of it either. Sherlock, Glenn there Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's been here before, and I think he's a catching coach too, which I, I think will make a world of difference too. Uh, they need to work uh, on on some of their defense a little bit there, and um, so you know, I'm sure you caught some of the games in the, the spring training. Anybody impress you that you, you were surprised by anything at all uh, that you caught that uh, you know it was at or out of the ordinary? Well, I'm going to say uh, Escobar caught my eye. He seems to be a, a really true true hitter. Knows how to hit. Knows how to play defense. He was uh, he caught my eye, so I'm very impressed with him. Kana can he can really go out and get it in the outfield. I think he he's a good acquisition as well. But um, yeah, those are the only two that really really uh, stood out. I know Francisco Lindor had a decent camp. Robinson can know they took him out after uh, well, four for four day to help him feel good. Uh, Peter Alonso, I thought was I think was struggling a little in, in camp, but I think he's going to be all right. But yeah, so those are those guys who I who I uh, who I watched carefully. I would add Marte. In fact, I put him first. He he just looks like the real deal. At, even in his mid thirties, he still has speed, and it looks like they're going to play him in right field. Which, when you think of it, makes makes sense because right field is the most difficult field to play in city field. So I would say Marty, but I agree with Jeff about Escobar and about Connor, who is a better player than I thought he was just looking at the numbers. You wouldn't be that impressed by him. But when you look a little more closely, he has a much higher on base percentage. And what I didn't know was that he could play all three positions because with the Mets there, three starting outfielders are basically it. If there's an injury, you're putting an infielder into the outfield, which would probably not be the best thing, but they really, at this point, wouldn't have much of a choice. But 
kind of looks like he could be the backup center fielder. And with Nimmo questionable for opening day, it looks like he may actually get the call there. But I'm impressed with Connor, very impressed with Marte and Escobar, like you said. And it looks like, and we can only hope that this is the real deal, that Cano really is raking. So hopefully he, he will keep that going into the regular season. And what does he have? One year or two years left on a contract? Two years. Yeah. Well, now with the DH, though, I guess he can be used more. And, uh, uh, you know, use uh, McNeil. Uh, they may have to use McNeil in the outfield now a little bit. Yeah. So maybe Cano will play, sec- play some second base. And uh, they can have Escobar play some and uh, um, have Davis at third you know, in some of those games. Any of the young players at all impress you? I I was impressed with Alvarez, but I was impressed with him last year as well. Tremendous power. Um, His defense is, you know, needs a little bit of work, but he's 20 years old. I think that's something, if you're willing to work on, you can improve on. You know, you may not be uh, uh, Johnny Bench, but uh, you've just got to be halfway decent behind the plate, and he's got a strong arm, and that's part of it right there. So a uh, question of footwork, and, and uh, uh, I think it's mainly um, the low pitches that he has the problem on. And what I would do, uh, remember the old 86 coach, um, Vern, what was it, Hofstad? Hosenstead? I don't know. He was an old white guy. <laughs> White hair. Remember him? I don't. And and he used to be the catching coach. And what he did was he gave the catches, including Gary Carter. He made him do these drills with ping pong paddles. And huh. and they had to, you know, and he, they threw balls in the dirt to them, and they had to block them and learn how to use their body and and you know naturally the paddles you have to use both of them to try to to get the ball. And um, they were pretty good on those. So maybe, you know, sometimes you got to go old school with these guys and bring back some of these old old things. Um, so a- any of the young guys impress you at all? I, I saw a play the other day, and it was in the outfield. It was center fielder. He was wearing number nine, but it was not Brandon Nimmo. I go, who's number nine, not Brandon Nimmo? It was Nick Plummer. He made a play, a diving catch. That, that impressed me. That was a nice catch. I also like, like watching Brett Beatty hit and Mark Vientos hit, just seeing those young guys coming up, you know, they're the future. And what you said about Alvarez, when I saw that home run he hit, he did look like Mike Piazza with the, mm-hmm. the follow-through with the swing. That was great. Yeah, Alvarez looks like the real deal. He certainly has the power. And like Gary said, at age 20, he should develop and become a a better defensive catcher. And, you know, the Mets have a catcher for the next three years. In fact, he's not a young player, but I'd have to say, along with McCann, Tomas Nito looked really good this spring. And it would not surprise me if the two of them, if not splitting the catching duties, maybe it goes 60-40 because Nito really looks improved as a hitter and we know he's a solid defensive player and with the propensity for McCann to get hurt I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of Tomas Nito behind the plate this year and yeah Alvarez looks good I I, I, I like I like Brett Beatty I see he has a future one thing I didn't see and I hope the Mets address this down the road that they are a little short in the pitching department, in the in the minors, unless it's in the low minors, so that that's something I think they are going to they're going to have to deal with. Well, it's interesting that you mention that because I, I just read an article today. I think it was on SNY, uh, and they were talking about the minor leagues. And you're right; they they're pretty well packed down in. The, um, you know, like the rookie league below Brooklyn. So it, they, they're a long way away, but they do have some pitching, Um, you know, young pitches. They drafted a bunch last year. Uh, they'll be in uh, uh, 
um, the rookie league, and then maybe we'll see them sometime in uh, Brooklyn, probably, you know, ones that do well. Um, but they they do have – it looks like their farm system is getting stocked, and it's just going to be um, – you know, a couple of years, but uh, down low, even up top, though, you know, there are some nice players. And we, we just mentioned a bunch Vientos, not pitchers, but uh, you've got Vientos and you got Batty and you've got Alvarez and uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Mercio. My, my guess, yeah, my guess is uh, Maurizio and. Um, uh, Alvarez will be at Binghamton last year. They both uh, spent a good chunk of the year at Brooklyn last year. They'll probably be at Binghamton this year. And um, um, a Vientos and maybe Batty, too, will probably be at Syracuse. I don't know how that broke out so far, but uh, uh, we'll see. But um, And Vientos, they're moving around the field, so they, they, they're – He's been playing third and first in some corner outfield. So they're trying to make him more versatile. So that could help if he has a good year. He's got good power, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he's not going to unseat Batty. I think they're saving third base for Batty, really. So, um, you know, and they both played on the same teams and they've managed to uh, work them in the lineup. So we'll have to see how that all goes. But, um, any weak spots do you see other other than the starting pitching? Now, I know, you know, because of the injuries, the starting pitching is a question mark. Um, the only thing I will say about it is that the guys that they have backing up right now, and I'm talking specifically about McGill and uh, um, Peterson. Um, Peterson and uh, uh, Williams. Williams. Williams, Yamamoto. They have major league experience, and that's a big thing. So they're not going to, you know, it's not like you're bringing in a rookie kid and and he's standing in front of 50,000 people and he's going to be nervous. These guys now have been, they're young and they've been through it. McGill was, I I thought he was really good last year, Uh, you know. um, And Peterson struggled last year, but he's, he's, uh, uh, I think he'll find himself somewhere along the line, and uh, and they still have Zapucky who who could fill in, and some other guys in Syracuse. So um, I'm not too concerned. I'm concerned about Degrom. Uh, Scherzer, he says he's going to pitch the second game, which may be the first game now. Maybe the first game <laughs> with the rain. Um, uh, any thoughts uh, along those lines at all? You know, I, I'd rather have Degrom for the last half of the year than the first half of the year. Right. I mean, you know what though? His injuries are now—I uh, don't want to say chronic, but you you worry every time he pit, he take, makes a start. You know, after every start, does he go back into the MRI tube? Is it? Is, it's it's going to be something. He's very confident. Once he gets past this, he's going to be injury free. But who knows? I mean, he's still thinking about opting out to get a bigger contract. And listen, best pitcher in the world. He should get paid as as the best. You know, a lot of people. You know, some pitchers make more than him, and I understand why. Although he's not, no one's going to be throw, throwing him a fundraiser to, uh, you know, for anything. But uh, but you know, he's got to think twice about opting out. I mean, if he keeps getting you know hurt, go on a disabled list two three times a year. It's it's not going to uh, not going to help him. You know, and look. Thirty million dollars a year, still, still uh, not a bad shekel. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you may not want to say chronic, but the numbers are starting to trend that way. Mm-hmm. From what I saw the other day, in the past twenty-one months, he's had eleven different injuries. Now, to me, that's pr- if that's not chronic, that's pretty close. Mm. And in addition, he's six-four. He's slightly built, like maybe 175, 180 pounds. And the human body was just not built to throw a baseball overhand 100 miles an hour 100 times every five days. So it is a major concern as far as I'm concerned. And I was worried about 
that even before he got hurt, yet even while he was pitching lights out in spring training with that body and his his recent history, you always wonder. Ron Darling often says that every pitcher knows that any pitch they throw could be their last. Mm -hmm. And it is a major concern as far as him even talking about opting out. I have to say, I, I'm a little disappointed that it's not it's not DeGrom like he's usually the the quiet reserve guy who just you know he's laid back and lets things come to him unlike uh, another pitcher that the Mets had last year who was now a teammate of the other position where I'm most concerned about is and of course I'm talking about Aaron Lou that's a position that the Mets I think are going to possibly really struggle. I mean, Aaron Loop was had a historic season as the lefty in the pen last year. And unfortunately, they did not have a general manager. He was signed very quickly, but he may be the biggest and toughest player to replace on the Mets this season. Overall, I think the bullpen is okay. Not great, but not terrible. But they need a they need a left, they need a, a shutdown lefty that's at least close to what Aaron Loop gave them last year. Well, you know, uh, I will just say this about Aaron Loop. I mean, he had a great season last year, but both pins are fickle. He might not be, he might not True. be that same guy. It's going to be very hard to repeat a bullpen year after year after year. True. So, uh, you know, I think that for the money that he got, good to him. He got, what, $17 million to go pitch one inning every two, three yeah. days? Not Not bad. But not bad. If he will he it, replicate what he did? I don't know. I don't know. But then again, you have a crazy owner out there in, in California <laughs> who signs uh, pitchers who threw only two innings for two, in two years and, and gives them $21 million. So, <laughs> well, he looked good the other night. I was watching uh, a little bit of the game on MLB Network. He was pitching. Uh, I forget who they were playing now. Um, Oh, it was the Dodgers, I believe. And uh, he looked pretty good. And then they started getting to him in the third inning. He gave up a couple of hits. And uh, they he came out of the game. But uh, he, he looked like he was throwing pretty free and easy. So, uh, Barry, you mentioned it about uh, DeGrom throwing 100 miles an hour. Is it time for him to cut back a little bit? Maybe, you know... Maybe throw 96, 95, and, and work on more of the breaking stuff or the other type. Of, is it, In other words, instead of being a thrower, is it time to become a pitcher? You know what, Gary and Jeff? With DeGrom, you think of him as a, a pitcher and a thrower. Someone that's that good knows how to pitch. But again, the human body just is not conditioned to throw 100 miles an hour, 100 pitches, every fifth day overhand as far as becoming a pitcher I, you know maybe he he should dial it back to maybe to 95 maybe he's tried to dial it back and maybe and it, it, this may sound crazy but maybe, maybe he just can't do it <laughs> you know i mean well, to, you know, they, to, you, to you and i 95 to 100 miles an hour pretty much look the same now of course to a major league hitter it's it's very different. Maybe Jake is afraid that he would not succeed if he dialed it back to ninety five. Don't know. Well, you know there have been the speculating. There have been successful pitchers who threw hard for a very long time. You know, Randy Johnson comes to mind. Nolan Ryan comes to mind. I mean, they probably hadn't had. We don't know how much they were throwing because they didn't have the technology back then, but they could have been in the high 90s and 100s all the time. They didn't break down. So everybody is, every individual is is different. I agree with Barry that, that he probably should dial it back a little. But, you know, as long as he's throwing nice and easy and, and you know, not putting any, any extra stress, which I know, look, he's gotten hurt. But who, who knows what how, how the human body works with them? Everybody's different. But guys, can't you see when they start rehabbing Jagram, something else pops up? I mean, 11 separate injuries in 21 months is a major red flag. And I, mean, I, I hate to be yeah. 
especially on Mets musing, keep the faith, stay optimistic. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's really not easy with DeGrom, considering this run of injuries that he's had. And he, he hasn't had surgery on any of them. It actually might have been better if he had had the surgery and, and had a rehab and, and maybe come back afterward. I mean, this is just so annoying and so frustrating. I'm sure he's frustrated. And then maybe part of why he talks about opting out is the frustration he's feeling. Because th- this isn't the Jake DeGrom that I, that, that I, that I knew and loved. He's <laughs> a different guy. Well, regardless of his, his status, I still think the Mets probably have the best pitching in the division. I don't see anybody who is as deep with, with uh, Scherzer, you know, uh, Tiana Walker, Carrasco, and McGill Peterson, Zapucky, Trevor Williams, blah, blah, blah. I think they have the deepest starting rotation with or without the Grom. I'm, I don't think they can out-hit the Phillies or the Braves. They have, I think, a better offense. But I think uh, the Mets pitching is still superior at least in the starting pitching. And I think that like bullpen's okay. I mean, who knows what this Jolie Rodriguez is going to do. They did keep Jason Shreve, so they have two lefties out of the pen. Maybe that could, uh, you know, neutralize the Juan Soto's, the Bryce Hoppers, uh, the Greg Olsons of the world. And, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about the outfield, though. Um, it's old. It, it, it's not, especially if Nimmo's out. It's it's an old outfield, and uh, I I know Canha can can play all three positions, but is he an everyday player? Um, Marte is good, but thirty three. You know, he, he, he we got scared at the beginning of spring training with the oblique, and is that going to rise up again somewhere? It, He's been playing well and running and doing everything, and it doesn't seem to bother him. So, uh, hopefully, that's in the past, and that was more, you know, precaution than anything else. Um, but the outfield scares me because you know there's nobody there. But then we're talking about uh, a Travis Jankowski who's made the team, uh, and uh, you know McNeil or Dom Smith or J.D. Davis. And those are your backups for the outfield, and you're gonna need them. It... You're gonna need them because Brandon Nimmo, who knows? I mean, yeah. he's only played 100 games once in his career, and now he's he's what 28, 29 years old now. Going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And, you know, Mr. Boris, who, by the way, did not do any favors for Mr. Conforto. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. No. And, you know, he's now hurt with a neck injury. So he might miss the opening day. So, you know, who? Nemo, I love Nemo. I think he's great. Speaking, I, I, I've talked to him, and he's a, a great guy. But, you know, he's, again, he can't stay on the field consistently. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the outfit, but I'm more concerned about the starting pitching. And Jeff, I, I think Atlanta's pitching is clearly above the Mets, when, especially that of the getting Mike Soroka back this year. And to put him with Anderson and Freed and that in, the, in that bullpen, although, like you said, bullpens do fluctuate from year to year. But on paper, that Atlanta bullpen, now that they have Kenley Jansen to close, and they can move Will Smith, not that Will Smith, the relief pitcher Will Smith, the, le- the lefty. <laughs> the other they Will can, Smith. They, yeah, they, they can move him back to a setup role, and they have those other two lefties whose names escape me. I think Matzik is one of them. The ones that just... Well, Luke Jackson just got, just got hurt. He, Luke Jackson right, he just, just got, got hurt. hurt. Mike Soroka is still on the 60 day DL. So oh, he he's, is, he, oh, he's not, oh, he's not he, back. He's, he's not oh, back yet. Oh, okay, my, my mistake. All right, well, having heard that, I will say that the Mets pitching, obviously with a healthy DeGrom, there's no question, but with a questionable DeGrom, and I guess you'd have to say a questionable Scherzer, it's hard to put them at the top of the list. As far as the Phillies, and who would have thunk that the one Met from those days in 2015, 2016, that would end up being the healthiest would turn out to be Zach Wheeler of all people. <laughs> but with Wheeler and Nola, 
at the top of that rotation, the Phillies have a pretty good, at least beginning of a starting rotation. After that, not so much. And of course, we know their bullpen is is very questionable. So when when you put it together, I don't really think maybe Atlanta, even without Soroka, because of the bullpen, might have a slight edge on the other two. But th- that they are comparable. The Mets bullpen, you you know, we we know we know the names. <laughs> you know? Well, you know what we we haven't talked about it is is Edwin Diaz. I guess that's a good thing. I, seriously, I think it's you know we we haven't talked about him, so I think he's going to be okay. Bring on the trumpets. Well, Gary, what say you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still think it's the worst trade, but uh, you know we we'll, we shall see uh, how he has a good year or not. I, I'm just concerned that he's going to be one of these guys that'll have a great year. And then if they do make the playoffs, he'll he'll pull a Armando Benitez <laughs> or Dries Familia <laughs> and disappear. You know that's that's the only fear I have. Um, you know I'm okay with the bullpen. Like like Jeff said, bullpens come and go. They you know they 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 could stink one year and you can bring back. You know the Philly bullpen could be great this year. They were so horrible last year. They could be for some reason. Uh, that we can't fathom that that bullpens change so you know yeah. on the spot all True. of a sudden the guys start pitching like Cy Young and getting people out so yeah. you never really know I mean none of this you really you know some of the best teams you know that the pedigree that they have and you can you know we know the Dodgers are gonna be there um, you know, I, I'm not too sure about the Giants though. Was that a fluke last year? They had a lot of guys you never heard of. Or uh, you know, can they put it together again this year? Who knows? Um, but I, uh, I just uh, I, I'm the outfield does concern me, and I, uh, I just feel the age now. Um, the infield seems pretty sound, and the defense, it seems like a pretty good defensive unit. Not as good as the late 90s with, uh, you know, uh, Olerud and, and uh, um, uh, Alfonso and, and uh, Ordonez, Ordonez and Ventura. Ventura. Uh, nothing on that level, but it seems like a good solid. Alonzo's made himself into a good fielding uh well, good, adequate. <laughs> what, well, let's put that to bed. Let's address that right now because people he had he came into the league with a bad reputation. It was a bad fielder. He's a very good first baseman. Is he a Gold Glover yet? No, but on a scale of one to ten, is he a, a, a seven or eight? Yeah, he he can field his position. Mm-hmm. So you know what? He's not that he's not that bad. And pray tell. Why did it take Buck Showalter becoming the manager of the Mets to have maybe the greatest defensive first baseman in the history of the game, Keith Hernandez, work with Alonzo in spring training? It's not like Keith Hernandez just got there. I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you use someone with his expertise and experience? Well, you know, that's an interesting point because in the past he has worked with some guys. Um, now whether the guys asked him, he worked with Daniel Murphy when Murphy moved right, to first that's base. True. And, uh, he did work. Uh, I'm trying I to think remember. Duda also. Yeah. He did work with Duda, I think. Yeah, so, I think so, um, you know, it, this is not necessarily, I know what you're saying. Cause they made a big deal that this was the first yeah. time they ever asked him and, I I seem to remember these other times. Now maybe the players asked him. I don't know, and and you know he got permission from the club. That that could be too. And this time, Showalter wanted him. But but you see again, I think it shows you the professionalism of Showalter. He wants the old guys around. He wants the history around him. He he. They said he wanted Hernandez. But at batting practice, and and that they would sit or stand behind the batting cage and talk about hitting all the time. He's I I think Showalter's confident in his ability 
and let's face it, he's been around 20-some-odd years coach or managing. He's made some nice bucks. He knows he can go to MLB Network or ESPN or somewhere. So he doesn't. he's not worried about his job. I, I think the last couple of managers, um, I think they managed to not lose instead of managing to win. They were afraid of losing, that they'd lose their job, and they lost their jobs anyway. Um, there just seems to be a difference with Showalter when you see him in the dugout. It's just like it's like looking at the, the Eisenhower in old World War II movies, you know, where you knew he was the commander of the of the uh, Allied forces and. Uh, I, I was a history major, so that's why I go there. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? He's got the, the the pad. He's writing notes. He's taking notes. He's talking to guys. He's he, he just looks like he's in control. You know, it, it was funny. This was a, a discussion I had with an old friend of mine years ago, years ago, about the Jets. When you used to look at the, the Jets and we'd say, you know, they got a good line. They got this, that, and the other thing. And the quarterback, though, you know, you, you watch Joe Montana. Joe Montana would go into a huddle. Joe Montana was in charge. He didn't you know, care if some guy was 6'10 and 400 pounds. He'd tell him, you missed the play. you dope or something like that. You could tell, you know. And then you watch the Jets quarterback, Ken O'Brien. It was almost like he was going into a huddle. And he was saying, hey, guys, what would you like to run? What would you like to do? Uh, it, it's the same kind of thing that I noticed with Showalter, that he he just exudes that, you know, uh, uh, in charge. I, I don't know if I'm exaggerating because I want it to be that way, but, I, you know, what's your guys' opinion? Is, oh, is he checking the, 100%. Is Absolutely. he checking the iPads? Is he checking the iPad or the uh, computer? Or is he on the, I, I, the Apple Watch? Making all these calculations. <laughs> I don't think it, no. He's got his uh, his clipboard and he's writing notes down. So Good. he's real old school. Good. And I hope he doesn't allow the iPads in in the dugout. You know what? I, what I say, I I would like to see the pitchers go back to charting a game, um, like they used to in the old days, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um. You know, because I think that puts a whole different perspective. And I'd like to see uh, the batters keep their book on different pitchers. You know, they used to say uh, um, the first baseman, Carlos. Uh, yeah, Delgado. Delgado. Delgado, thank you. He used to have quite a thick book, and he would keep a book on, on, uh, <laughs> on you know, the different pitchers. And and uh, Gary Carter used to keep a book on on his own pitchers, of uh, you know what they threw in situations and stuff, so he knew what to call. I don't think I think they rely too much on the freaking video and analytics now, and I hope that you know they they do away with that a little bit. Yeah, and, and I still say if I might get my two cents in. <laughs> that they ruined Michael Conforto last year. I think Conforto came in, he had covert, then he had the, uh, what was it, a hamstring issue? or uh, And and I, I think he started slow, and he just got lost in all the video and the information they were giving them. And, and they said that analytic people were coming into the meetings Instead of the coaches being there, deciphering the information and giving them what they thought was, in, they said the analytic people would end feeding them all kinds of stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, like Yogi Berra said, hitting is 90% uh, uh, um, perspiration and 10 and 50% uh, inspiration or something right. <laughs> so I, I don't think you you can't think when you're up there i mean you have to have a plan yes all of that kind of stuff but um you know um i i i, I just think that that's what happened with conforto last year and i think they should try to grab him again let me i was just going to ask you guys that in light of the injury to Nimmo, which, you know, day-to-day -day with the Mets, 
sometimes being there out three, four months. Would it be the craziest thing to put a call into Conforto, maybe give him a one-year contract, try to rebuild his his reputation? Because I'm shocked he hasn't he hasn't signed on with, with anybody. In light of the Mets yeah. situation, like you said, the backup outfielders are basically infielders. And also, I think we need to do a roundtable strictly on yogiisms, nothing else. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I don't. I, I just don't, don't see, see it happening. Anyway, back to Conforto. I just don't see it happening. Me neither. Mets, are, Mets have Me the neither. second highest payroll. I know it's uh, you know Steve yeah, Cohen has all the money in the world, but you know they're still you got to run a business. And yeah. look, he had the chance to come back for eighteen million dollars. He said no. Is he going to take something less? I don't know. I mean, he he could have he could have had a hundred million dollar deal, and he turned it down, thinking he was going to get more. You know what? If if he offered nine figures, you take it. <laughs> I don't care. I don't yeah. care if you can get you know hundred yeah. million twenty. You take the money. I, I get you know he I guess he figured he you know his numbers would be better and he'd go out and, and uh, you know get a better contract from somebody or from the Mets so I, I can't say that I blame him completely um, you know we're looking back now at it in hindsight and uh, we don't know what the thought process was and. You know, it was early in the year. He probably figured, uh, I'll get healthy. I'll hit 400 the rest of the way or 350, and I'll, I'll have my usual numbers, and I'll be all right. And and I just think he got buried. Uh, um, and maybe that's why he doesn't want to come back. I don't know. Who knows? Look, I like Conforto. Uh, I never thought of him as a guy who can carry the team for, you know, an extended period. He Look, he's no Mookie Betts. Uh, he he's not that type of player. He he'll he's gonna he's gonna have his struggles, and you know he'll carry a team for two weeks, and that'll be it. And I, I you just, know I like him, but he's not a uh, he's not gonna carry a team. But he's well, a he's solid stre- player. He's, he's streaky. He's streaky. He's streaky. Yeah, yes, he's I, streaky. But yeah. he's solid. He he turned himself into a good defender as well. True. And uh, you know. Um, I think if he went back to hitting the way he hit when he first came up or or the way he hit in the minors in Brooklyn, I mean, the guy used the whole field. He hit it all over the place. I, I think they got him into his head when he hit the 30 home runs and they wanted him to hit everything out. Um, and, and I, you know, I just think if he goes back to the way he used to, the home we we always say this. The home runs will come if you have the strength. The home runs will come. You'll connect and you'll hit the home run. Um, it's the hits when you don't, you know, you don't feel that well or something, and uh, maybe you're not feeling as strong one day as you did the day the, the, the day before, and um, and that's when you you need to help your team anyway by going different fields and getting on base. And moving the lineup, and I, you know, I, I just think he, he would be a right. I would take the gamble though, if I, like I said uh, before, to answer your question, Barry, and um, I don't think it's that big a deal uh, to to bring him back. But again, Scott Boris, he's a, he's a tough yeah. guy. He doesn't, you know, he he don't. Uh, but I can see this being Stephen Drew all over again. And yep. uh, yeah. you know he'll never make that money back. And and uh, nope. the other thing, uh, the other point I wanted to make, and and this scares me when I to say this, but I almost see um, Degrom going down the same route as Tim Lincecum in a way. Mm. You know, won a couple of Cy Youngs. Same same body type. Same body type. Um, then the injury started coming and and really took a promising career and and uh, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping maybe he gets through this. Maybe he'll get a, a string of good luck where he won't get hurt for a no, couple of years and uh, you know and and really establish himself uh, in uh, 
the uh, perennials, uh, higher echelon of the game. But um, you know, he hasn't even won. He hasn't won a hundred games yet because he hasn't played. He hadn't won that many um, because of how many games they lost for him in the bullpen when he you know pitched beautifully, came out and then the bullpen blew it. So. Um, but um, or, or he left with the score tied zero or, zero. Yeah, yeah, or or that as well. Um, well, speaking of zero zero, uh, the <laughs> offense uh, we mentioned before, we don't think it's as good as uh, the Braves or the Phillies. Uh, but uh, overall, are you happy with it? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it looks like it's a contending offense. Barry, I'll let you start this time. I'm going to make this one simple and I'm going to defer to Jeff because if he said it once, he said it numerous times. Like you said, on paper, the offense looks fine. It comes down to getting the big hit, getting that runner in from third with less than two outs. And of course, runners in scoring position. On paper, the Mets have had solid offenses for, for quite a few years, but it hasn't translated to enough runs. And if they don't get the big hit with runners in scoring position, they're they're not going anywhere. Hopefully they'll do better this this time around. On paper, it looks like they they should be okay, and they certainly have depth this time around. They have, you know, they can between Cano and Smith and JD. You want to throw Kana and Nimmo into the mix. They should be able to get 400, 450 at-bats out of all of them if they distribute the playing time right. And with a manager like Buck, you don't really have to worry about that. And the big question for me is, what are we going to get from from Francisco Lindor this year? Is he going to be a Carlos Beltran-type player who would be great in his second year, or is his career really going the, the wrong way we will find out yeah I, I i agree with barry i think that carlos um that francisco Lindor, i think is going to have a bounce back year i think it's going to be kind of like carlos beltran without without the cheating and <laughs> and he's going to have a, a very good year uh hopefully an all-star year I think, but he'll be very good. I think uh, once Brandon Limo is, is an everyday player, can get stay on the field, I think that helps the offense if he can play more than 100 games. What I like, I, I like seeing what Stalling Marte did. I mean, he, he didn't play station to station. He took the extra base. He stole mm. bases. That was the biggest, a big problem last year, or, or previous seasons, taking the extra base, going first to third, going second to home. They just... Didn't do that, and they were waiting for the big hit, which never came. I mean, how many times have we, you know, waited for that big hit? You know, second and third, one out, walk, double play, done. I mean, that that that's see, that's what happens. Yeah, they're all waiting for that big hit, but you know, stop playing station to station. Take the extra base when you can. Be aggressive. Hey, they're giving you they're giving you third base wide open. Take it. You know, get on base, move the guys around. And I think uh, Brandon Nimmo and Stalling Marte are going to be the engines that are going to, you know, be the table setters. And, and Francisco Lindor and, and P. Alonso are going to be the guys that drive them in. I think I, I'm really hoping that Lindor has a big year. I really do. And they have some speed at the top. I mean, if they have Nimmo and Marte uh, and Lindor, I mean, there's some good speed there. Uh and, you know, you really don't need speed to steal the base. It, it certainly helps, but uh, is, there is technique involved. Not that the technique's ever worked for me, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. But they do have that. Uh, it's a pretty well-balanced lineup. I, I've been impressed with Escobar, too. I, I think he's played, uh, you know, they say, again, the knock was his defense. And... Uh, you know, I the games that I saw, he played pretty good at third. I, I didn't see anything. You know, he he, he wasn't a, a, a concrete hands down there or anything. Um, made the basic plays, and 
his hitting, he's been a breath of fresh air with the hitting, the bat, and uh, he's got a little speed too. So um, you brought up, uh, you guys mentioned earlier about Nito, and, uh, you know, Nito won a batting title at St. Lucie a few, couple of years ago uh, now. So he does have the ability. Uh, um, now, I can remember in Brooklyn, he couldn't hit the, the broad side of a barn. And um, it, then it, and I have to tell you, to be honest, I was surprised when they did call him up the first time because, you know, like, I, I thought for sure he was going to be one of those guys that, you know, they get to Brooklyn and then they cut him loose. But he kept working his way through the system, and I think he made it on defense. He was a good defensive catch, and he kept working his way up. And, and you know, congrats. Then he, then he had the big year at St. Lucie with the bat, and I think that carried him into double-A and triple-A and, and to the majors. And, and God bless him. He, he's gotten some nice hits, you know. And and he's a good defensive catcher, and and I really like the guy, and and uh, um, I I think he he's like the perfect prototype backup uh, catcher. Yeah. Uh, you know he he he's the pitches like throwing to him, and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm okay. You know, uh, McCann, I can't figure out yet. I still can't figure him out. Um, I think he's still trying to find out what happened to his bats that he left in Chicago, I guess, uh, because the ones he brought with him aren't any good. No. Uh, but, um, you know, maybe he figures it out. But he's a pretty decent catcher, too. So uh, they have to make it up somewhere else. And now with the DH, um, you know, we'll see what what that does. I think they have a, a number of people they can move into the spot that can handle it. And, um, you know, we'll see. And if Cano keeps hitting, uh, I'll be egg on my face, I guess. But, uh, you know, that goes without saying. So, Well, they're not going to cut him at that sound with that contract. They might oh, cut him not happen. No. They might cut him next year, though. Maybe. But there should ago. be enough at-bats to go around for all of them. And I feel a little sorry for Dom Smith because he certainly should. He, he has the talent to be an everyday player. And unfortunately, he's blocked at first base by Alonzo. He's not a true outfielder. So that basically leaves DH for him. And, of course, the Mets have several DH types whose best position would be DH. And I guess you could say the same for J.D. Davis. Hopefully there will be enough at-bats to go around for all of them and they'll play the hot hand. But again, this is where having Buck Showalter running the team gives the Mets a huge advantage from previous seasons. I have an out-of-the-box question for you guys. You, You talked about the outfield. There's a guy out there who was designated for assignment by the Angels. Justin Upton's available. Now, I wouldn't take him until he's uh, cleared waivers. So, uh, if you have to pay him, let the Angels pay him. But what do you what do you think about picking up Justin Upton once he, uh, you know, once he comes available? You know, he's it's kind of a funny player because he a lot of big years, and then he'll hit one thirty the next year or something. You know. Um, you know what? It's not a bad idea though if you get him relatively cheap. Uh, you bring him in. He's got speed. Um, defensively, he was always pretty decent. Um, I, yeah, I, as a gamble, I don't see why not. Yeah, especially guess, someone else is paying him. Yeah. 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 I guess it's not the craziest idea. I keep, when you mentioned the name Justice, Justin Upton, I have that image of him hitting that home run in that game against the Mets as he when he was a member of the Padres, when they blew the seven, one lead the night after Wilmer Flores was traded. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to get that image out of my head, but to answer your question, you know what, why not on a trial basis for a couple of weeks, if he still got it. Great. If, if not, then you, you can let him go. And like Jeff said, your uncle has all the money in the world. So to give him a one year deal for whatever, like, 
three, four million dollars. You know what? Why not? And also, the Mets don't really have a legitimate backup right hand hitting outfield, so he would fill that role. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Dom Smith a minute ago. Um, this is getting off track a little bit. What about that trade that that uh, almost wasn't, uh, almost was, and and uh, fell through at the last minute? Thank goodness, I think. Um, what what did you guys think of that that proposal, as it were? Let me take that one first because thank God that proposed that trade proposal <laughs> didn't come or go through. Because if we're talking about an image of Justin Upton hitting that home run, what about Eric Hosmer scoring that tying run in Game Five of the World Series? <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. And why would why they would want Hosmer? It's not like he can. He, the only position he plays is first base. I don't ever remember him playing the outfield. So why, why, why would they want that guy? And as far as as far as Pat, he had the great rookie season, and he's been terrible the, the past two years. So thankfully, that trade, at least for now, did, did not come through. It'd be great for Doc, but not, not so great for the Mets. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they weren't going to keep the Hosmer anyway. They were going to flip him. I, I think mm. the trade didn't happen because they couldn't find a trading partner for Hosmer. Once they got him, they were they were there was no way they were going to keep him, mm-hmm. so they were going to try to trade him, and I guess they couldn't find anybody to trade him with. You know, Paddock. Uh, you know, I know he had a good year a couple of years ago. Could Jer- Jeremy Hefner rediscover what he had? Who knows? Uh, but I like Dom. Dom should play every day somewhere. It's just not going to be here. And you know, good for us, I guess, unless we can get a uh, another. You know, picture in here somehow for Dom Smith. You know, a good major league type pitcher. No, uh, no projects. Agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. I I thought it was. I I couldn't figure out where they would play Hosmer, and then I thought the same thing. They were going to try to flip him or one of those deals where they'll take him and then and uh, you know uh, DFA him or something. And uh, you know, just eat the money uh, because they wanted to get the the pitcher, but the pitcher wasn't that uh, you know wasn't top of the line guy. And uh, then it was they were mentioning getting a relief pitcher as well. Um, but I'm kind of glad it fell through uh, as well. All right, I guess it's time for that uh, crystal ball to come out, and polish it up. And I don't know if you want to do all the leagues or just the Mets wins, but uh, any suggestions? I'm I'm game to do it all. I have I I have my notes, so I'm good. I'm good to go too. All right, I've got to find mine somewhere, uh, but I will allow you guys to start. And if I don't find my uh, paper, you can. Listen to the last episode of the Baseball Talk Radio Show <laughs> that I co-host with Rich Baxter uh, of Fighting Talk, uh, Fighting Phillies Talk, and uh, we gave our picks for the season there, so uh, you can uh, listen to my picks there. But uh, I'll let you guys start off. Who wants to go first? Barry, go ahead. Okay. In the National League, the senior circuit, I have the division winners as Atlanta, the Cardinals, because they have a winning season all the time. And, of course, in the NL West, I don't see anybody beating the Dodgers. And my three wildcard teams are, I have the Mets. I'm cautiously optimistic. Of course, an injury to DeGrom that ends up him not pitching this year or very, very little, would change that. But for now, I'm going to try to stay optimistic and say that we get him back for at least part of the season. So I have the Mets as as the first wildcard team. I have them playing the Phillies as the second wildcard team. And the final spot, it came down to three teams. It, it came down to the Giants, the Brewers, and the San Diego Padres, and I went with San Diego 
for a lot of the same reasons that I picked the Mets. They have Bob Melvin back in the dugout, a real manager for a change, a lot of talent, good pitching. They don't have Fernando Tatis for a couple of months, but they have a solid team anyway. So I'm going to give them the final wild card spot. As far as the pennant winning team, I'm going to say LA Atlanta will do the version of Ollie Frazier round three. And I'm picking the Dodgers to win the pennant. In the American League, I'm going to go a little outside the box. And Gary, I think you're going to like this one. But we'll start with the AL East. I've got the Toronto Blue Jays, who look loaded this year as the division winners. I have the White Sox winning the AL Central. And in the AL West, and I think they're going to win... uh, by a substantial margin, they made some big moves this offseason, signed a couple of free agent pitches. I believe Robbie Ray is their ace now. They have a couple of other good stars, including Chris Flexen, which stunned me. But I'm going to say that the <laughs> Seattle Mariners end this 20-plus year playoff drought and win the American League Western Division. And my wild card teams, I have the Rays, I have the Red Sox and the final spot over the Astros and the Yankees. I have the Minnesota Twins taking that final wildcard position. And for the pennant, I have Seattle and Toronto battling it out. And I'm going to take the Mariners to win the American League pennant. And I'm actually going to take them to beat the Dodgers and win the World Series with uh, Paul Seawall striking out Freddie Freeman for the final (laughs) out of the 2022 World Series. There you go. (laughs) Well, I didn't get that detail, but (laughs) Jeff, (laughs) your turn. You know what? I think mine's going to be eerily similar to Barry's. Oh, with a couple of changes. I'm with the National League, the East. I'm going with the New York Mets because I just can't help myself. (laughs) <laughs> the Central, I'm going with the Cardinals, like Barry. With the West, I know this is going to be a shock, but it's going to be the Dodgers. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, right? And for my wild cards, I have the Braves. I'm going to go with the Giants. I think they're going to have another good year. And for the last wild card spot, I'm going with the Philadelphia Phillies. In the American League, the East, I have the Toronto Blue Jays. Again, Barry, I think they're going to have – they're loaded. I think they're loaded. Uh, Central, I have the White Sox. Uh, in the West, I have the Houston Astros because I just don't see anybody catching them. My wild cards, I have the Rays. I have the Minnesota Twins. And for the final spot – and this is going way outside the box there. I am going with, I'm, I'm, this is way out in the field, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, with a healthy Otani, a healthy Trout, a healthy Rondon, maybe Syndergaard does have something. I'll give it a shot. And if you're going to go World Series, uh, right now I have the Mets over the Blue Jays. Again, I, I'm glutton for punishment. But that could change depending on the, uh, I guess, the COVID protocols in Canada, if, um, if uh, the players can get up there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, have, I have the Mets over the Blue Jays because I want to stay optimistic. I want to keep the faith. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be nice and hopefully be good for ratings. But uh, uh, I found my list and I will give it. But uh, please go listen to or watch the uh, Baseball Talk radio show as well uh, with myself and Rich Baxter. Uh, I've got in the NL East, I've got the Atlanta Braves because, well, nobody's beat them yet. So uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Uh, In the Central, same thing. I've got the Milwaukee Brewers because – they, they were good last year. I think they can do it again. Uh, and I'm going to go with Milwaukee. 
In the West, uh, another shocker, uh, the Dodgers. I'm going to pick the L.A. Dodgers. My three wild cards, and I don't really have them. I wasn't as good as you guys. I didn't put them in order, but I have the San Francisco Giants, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Mets. Uh, that Those are my three wild cards. For the AL East, I have uh, the winner there is, and, and I like the Blue Jays, but uh, I, I couldn't fit them in, and I, I got to go with Tampa because they always seem to find a way to do it uh, in the playoffs and, and in the season, so I'm going to go with them. Uh, I'm going with the White Sox in the Central, and Barry, I'm going to agree with you in the West. I'm going with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, my three wild cards are the Twins, the Astros, and the Red Sox. And forgot the uh, Blue Jays completely, but, you know, I haven't picked any winners in, since 1985. <laughs> so, uh, uh, <laughs> my World Series matchup is the L.A. Dodgers versus the Tampa Rays. And I've got the Tampa Rays coming home with the title, so... Um, that's, that's my picks. Interesting. As, Nobody picked the Yankees. They are. Nobody picked Nobody the Yankees. Nobody picked the Yankees. No. Um, wins. Hooray for how us. Many, <laughs> <laughs> how many wins are the, are the Metsies going to get this year? Uh, I say, I think between 89 and 91. So that's what? 90. <laughs> <laughs> Barry. I'll go 88. But um, but that will be enough to get him into one of the wildcard positions. I'm, I'm pretty confident with that. And I'm going to go with 89. So we're all in the same neighborhood there. Uh, that's good. And uh, uh, as I said, opening day is just a couple of uh, days away. And I want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your evening tonight and uh, joining me and doing this round table sorry len uh he couldn't be here but hopefully he'll be with us the next time and um uh, until we meet again remember to keep the faith and to stay optimistic and let's go mets and i'm gary mack and i'll see you next time on another edition of mets musings